1: Getting a grip on an answer that is no answer, but really is the answer. Next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. You know there are times when god is kind enough to provide us with a decent answer to questions that we have as it relates to our relationship with him and then there are times where he just simply says because i am and that's enough that's what we find here in job chapter 40 a saint humbled before god job indeed has gone through much Even his friends have wrongly chastised him for the pain and suffering he's gone through. So God enters the picture with an answer that really isn't an answer. Yet at the end of the day, it is a simple idea that says, I'm God, you're not, you need to trust me. And so at the end of the day, do we trust God? A Saint Humbled Before God is the title of today's message. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose.
2: There's something that is very common to all Christians, to all of God's children. And if you know the Lord, you are going to immediately identify with what I'm about to say. And that is, the Lord always works humility, sooner or later, in those whom He draws to Himself. It doesn't matter whether you are a young saint or an old saint. Scripture says in Psalm 138, God knows the proud at a distance. Proverbs chapter 6, There are six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, proud-looking eyes. But God wants to know us as our Father which means he wants to know us familiarly. Now, not in any way does this diminish his reverence or his glory as we see with Job. It is so we will have a firm hope and assurance of his favor, a confidence in his promises that we can call on him any time. And since he will know us more familiarly through the covenant, it means that he's going to deal with our pride because, as, Psalm, or as Proverbs 6 says, he hates it. David, he had to learn humbling. Remember all those years spent in the wilderness as a vagabond on run from Saul? Many of the prophets, Elijah, Jeremiah, lived for periods of time in the wilderness where God humbled them john the baptist and our lord even though he is the son of god he had to learn obedience and take upon himself our full humility and what do we find him doing our lord and god 40 days after he was baptized just like you and i He spent those days talking, taking all of our pain and loneliness and temptations upon himself that he might learn obedience by the things he suffered as well as set an example for us. And what is that example? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the lowly. It is a little uncomfortable to hear God talking so strongly to his servant Job. But it should greatly encourage us. Because the Lord is going to deal with his saints to form us more into the image of Christ. And he doesn't deal with his enemies like this. He either ignores them or he crushes them. Very rarely. Does he give them any warnings? But to his saints, the ones whom he loves, he refines. He sifts. He he shows us that we are weak. And he shows us his glory. So that we may find our good in him alone. So be encouraged, beloved. If the Lord loves you, he doesn't want you to suffer your whole life with the worst of all diseases. Self-reliance and pride that is the idol of men in every age self to be as gods i want to do what i want to do think what i want to think live the way i want to live so because god loves us he then puts pressure on us he reveals the sparkle of his glory to job to humble him and he does it with powerful manifestations And sometimes as with Peter, it is just a gaze across the courtyard where in a moment he shows Peter, Peter's true self, his pride. For most of us, it is progressive. Maybe as when we're in the Word or as we interact with other believers, as we go through things in our circumstances and jobs and health and marriages, the Lord just continually reminds us, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the lowly. Beloved, let that influence you as we go through our text and we see the Lord continually humbling his servant Job. And by the way, just as a special encouragement from this chapter, the Lord truly, truly loved Job. You know... There is this weird voice that we have picked up on our soul that sometimes, that somehow, if someone loves us, they won't confront us. We see it in young people and in parents. We, we see it in husbands and wives that, no, 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 if you love me, you just accept me as I am. We see it in our culture in very perverse forms. Oh, you won't say anything to me. You won't correct me. You'll just accept me like I am. And whatever you do, don't do anything to mess with my godlike dream. But the Lord says here, I don't mess with all of that stupidity. But I'm going to mess with your delusions, Job. You are a godly man. But you're using your godliness in a very dangerous way. You think, well, the Lord isn't treating me is treating me fairly because I am a godly man and he should give me an audience. But the Lord is going to really rebuke his servant. And it is such a good thing. It is so refreshing. And if we can learn to feel this more in our human relationships when someone takes the time, and swallows their own pride or fear to come to us and give us a rebuke to correct us, we should be, well, what does Scripture say? Let the righteous smite me, and I will consider it a blessing. And faithful are the wounds of a friend. And the Lord shows here what a good friend is. He was to Job, as well as how faithful he was to Job by not letting this godly man, very godly man, get away with what were some very serious sins. But instead, he rebuked him. Do not forget this. When someone has to rebuke you, don't play like you're so righteous When someone has to, and you get your back up and think this isn't right. After all, they don't have all the facts. And they don't know all the good things that I'm doing. They just picked out this one thing. No, just say, you know what? Thank you for loving me enough to get into my face. Because that is what God does with us. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the lowly. He knows the proud at a distance, not familiarly, but all of his children whom he intends to draw to himself, he will humble. He shows us our sins and brings us to repentance. Now, there may be a pause at the beginning of chapter 40, and it's not so much that Job ...could come up with some answers because there wasn't one to all of the questions. But just to give him a moment to take in some of these rays of God's glory that he's been revealing to Job. And he gives Job a further challenge there. Notice in verse 2. He says, Job, what do you have to say to my majesty? You know, the stars, the oceans, the, the mountain goats, the horses. What do you have to say to it? What do you have to say, Job, to the watch and care I exercise over all of my creatures, my government over the entire universe. Do you want to instruct me? Do you want to fight with me? Do you understand my ways with the fish and the seas and the birds in the air? Since you don't understand the catechism of nature, how are you going to begin to judge me for my government over your life? Do you honestly think you are competent to understand my ways with my people? Now, verse 2 is kind of strong. And you might even ask, is God talking to his friend or is he talking to an enemy? It's very sobering to hear the high and the lofty one rebuking his servant Job in this way. But we need to remember, God's law never diminishes his majesty it's not like God is ever going to say to us oh you poor thing I've treated you maybe a mite too roughly oh you poor thing let me show you what I was really doing so you won't have any questions anymore I don't want you to have any doubts about me I want you to understand everything that's not what God does God is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. And though he loves us and draws near to us through his Son and by his indwelling Spirit, the nearness is on his terms. It's not on our terms. And the nearness doesn't diminish all of his exalted glory. In fact, the only reason he can be near to us Is because he is exalted and very high and able to condescend to us through his covenant. So, in putting this question to Job in verse 2, and really the questions that have already come and that will follow, the Lord is humbling his servant. He loves Job, but he wants Job to understand that his love is joined with power and wisdom and majesty. And Job is not competent to stand in judgment of God's ways. And of course, with us, we have to be careful that we don't stand in judgment of God's providences in our lives and complain against Him and doubt ever that He loves us. Remember, mountain goats, horses, fish, stars? Uh, These are things revealed to us to Give us that firm confidence, firm confidence. As God takes care of the animals and the things in nature, he will certainly take care of us. Of course, we often think there's got to be some way to get out of this situation a little quicker or make my life a little easier or not have to suffer so much. And very often people spend a significant portion of their energy looking for a way out from under God's pressures. But remember, young people, your pressure could be your parents at this point in your life. Or wife, it could be your husband or husband, your wife. But don't ever forget, the pressures are God revealing himself to us so that we will be humbled so that we will announce ourselves and say, Lord, your will, not my will, be done. It would be a very healthy thing for each one of us to seriously examine ourselves and ask, where might I be contending with God? Or am I even contending with him anywhere? Are there things in my life that I know at some level He's brought that I just chafe against, I I hate and I complain, and I just wished it would go away? I don't like the way that life is going right now. Again, we need to repent of these things. And if the Lord loves us, He will bring us to repentance. You know, young people, it's kind of funny. As I've gotten older, I realize... That some of the sufferings and discipline that I have experienced as an adult is directly related to sins in my youth. That the Lord put pressure on me then, and maybe I responded to them positively a little bit, but not as much as I should have. So God just keeps the pressure up. So it's better to submit to His pressures early, My friends, like David, when he was given options for how do you want God to judge you because of his foolishness with the senses, remember what he said. Let's just fall into the hands of the Lord, for with him is abundant mercy. So don't be afraid for God's word to confront you, for your parents to confront you, for the preacher to confront you because one of the worst things we can do is to complain against God's providence, to think in some way He has to explain to us what He is doing, rather than just trusting Him and submitting to Him. This is where most of our problems come from, beloved. With the question in verse 4, Behold, I am insignificant, what can I reply? Job is basically saying, I'm contemptible. The Hebrew word there is translated actually vile in the King James and could mean lighter than nothing, contemptible, just unworthy of any consideration of yours. And in this, Job is beginning to be restored to his former faith in God. Now, the Lord's not finished with the lesson, as we shall see over the next couple of chapters, but again, Because God has revealed something of his majesty to him. Job is beginning the process here of repentance. I think we need to face something about our day. Low views of God and mediocre convictions of sin go together. But Job here has given a high view of God and His majesty. And notice it's not, Job, let me take you into the secrets of astrophysics. No, it's, Job, let me tell you about some horses. Job, let me tell you about some mountain goats. In a minute, Job, let me tell you about this huge creature. You see, God just reveals something of his glory to Job, so that Job will be brought low before God's majesty. And that's the only way we can be humble before him. Humility doesn't come if we think our own thoughts, if we're all wrapped up in our own pleasures and our friends and what might be going on in the world. We'll never be humble because all of that will only build up our pride. So we've got to have time under the preaching of God's word. We've got to have time with Christians with whom we can fellowship and and sharpen one another with his word so that we can see more of God's glory now, especially in the face of Jesus Christ and his mercy and his love, his goodness and his faithfulness, that he would bruise his son for us on the cross. God has revealed these things to us in order to work this sense of You know what? I am contemptible. I have nothing. I am lighter than air. I am nothing. You know, repentance is a heavenly grace. Acts 11.15 says, Only God can grant repentance on the life. And each one of us must ask, Have I repented? Truly repented? Now, repentance is... Not a hand in the cookie jar. Ah, sorry I got caught, but I'm not sorry I tried. Repentance is when we see our sins as our confession teaches us in chapter 15. We see the odiousness of them, the hideousness of our sins before a holy God. And we loathe ourselves. And we also see His mercy and we run to Him for cleansing. True repentance always addresses the fundamental sin of a man's life. If it is willfulness, repentance becomes meekness, submissiveness. If it is a cursing tongue, it becomes a praising tongue. If it is laziness, it becomes diligence. Repentance always is a putting off of our sin and a putting on of righteousness. The English martyr, Thomas Cramner, in a moment of weakness under Bloody Mary, signed some papers recanting some of the principles of the Reformation. He later repented of doing that. And as he was about to be burned at the stake, he said, My hand will be first in the fire because it was the hand that sinned against God. And sure enough, when they burned him, He thrust his hand in to the fire. Now Job has been sinning with words. Job is a godly man, but he's like, Lord, I'm holy. So what are you doing? Lord, I am a godly man. What are you doing? I mean, this just isn't right. This isn't fair. I understand that you are righteous and you are just and you deal with the wicked and bless the righteous. But Lord... Why have you done this to me? Job was just sputtering words. Some things he has said are very true, but at the same time, his mouth has been sinning. So what does he say? I'm not going to talk anymore. Now, he doesn't say that out of some kind of pouty pride. In verse 5, he says, I have spoken, I've been spouting off, But I'm not going to speak anymore. I'll go on no further. And that is a very good way to look at repentance. He is admitting that he is sinning. So often our repentance is like, well, I I am sorry. And for a few days we don't do it anymore. And then we think, okay, I'm cured. No, real repentance takes seriously that I have sinned against the Holy God. I've sinned against His Word. I've sinned against His Covenant. I've sinned against my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to turn to Him with my entire heart. Repentance is no mystery. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, you'll all perish. And that's true for every single one in this room unless we repent we'll all perish so the question for every one of us is have I fundamentally repented toward God in other words have I renounced self have I renounced my will my pride, my lust, my fantasies my escapism Have I renounced me and said, Lord, you're the king, you're the savior, you're my Lord. I will follow you alone. Because remember, he says, my sheep, my sheep, hear my voice and they follow me. It's no mystery. God has to give it. But if we have fully repented, we turn particularly because each of us lives in our own corner of the sewage system of sin and we look at that and we leave it there. If it's lies, we become truth tellers. If God gives us repentance and we were liars, we become truth tellers and not just for a couple of weeks. God works a radical, lasting change in us.
1: And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408 866 5607 or reformedheritage.org Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us are two in the afternoon we're located at Lone Hill Church 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos directions can be found at our website reformedheritage.org again, Sunday services are at 2pm further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408 Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless.